Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen, and today I have the absolute pleasure to sit down with the powerful Valerie Loretta. Val is a good friend of mine, uh, also a training partner, and an amazing, amazing, amazing athlete. Today we talk about her career uh, in athletics, coming from being three years old, getting into Taekwondo, all the way into her MMA career, and then into her future steps, stepping into entertainment. So you don't want to miss this. It's an it's a gem of a podcast full with awesome stories. What's up, everyone? It's your favorite podcast producer, Nick Tricana, here to give you a word from our incredible sponsor over at Element. Listen, you're not getting enough electrolytes or salt in your diet. I see it. Steffi sees it. Hayden sees it. We all see it. Element is an electrolyte drink mix with no sugar, no artificial ingredients, and no BS. Everyone needs electrolytes, especially those on low-carb diets, practice intermittent fasting, are physically active, or sweat a lot. But don't just take my word for it. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. U.S. Olympians, players in the NFL, NBA, NHL, and even our own special forces drink Element. I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm the pinnacle of self-performance, but ever since Steffi turned me on to Element, I've seen vast improvements in my everyday training and recovery. You guys can try Element today with a totally risk-free, no-questions-asked refund policy. And you know what? Because we love y'all so much over here at Hybrid Unlimited, we're going to hook you up with a free sample pack of Element just for you. Each sample pack includes eight grab-and-go packets in a variety of different flavors. All you have to do is go to drinkelement.com hybrid. That's drinklmnt.com slash hybrid. Again, that's drinklmnt.com slash hybrid for your free sample pack of eight grab-and-go element packets. Stay salty, my friends. Now back to the podcast. Val, welcome to Hybrid Unlimited. Thank you for taking your time to be here with us today. Thank you for having me, Steffi. You know what's amazing is that before we became friends, I've been a massive fan of yours because you're just one of those girls that like, you just stand out you know you're so authentically you and so genuine you stick to who you are and what you believe in and what makes you happy mm -hmm. and you don't compromise that for anybody else and i think everybody else can see that you know you just think about like the video that i love that video the video <laughs> that your video that went viral that oh the knockout was that kind of like a uh i always like to ask influent influencers mm -hmm. athletes whatever people who've achieved a high level of of success and notoriety what was that moment of your career that kind of like kicked things off for you? I mean, the thing with that fight that went viral was that was during COVID. So I wasn't training MMA at all, Steffi. Like I'm used to like sparring and stuff. And I believe in sparring as a fighter is the number one fundamental thing you could do because that's what you do in the ring, right? So I'm a crazy sparrer two times a week. But everything was closed, American Top Team was closed. So all I did was run around my block where I used to live and like try to condition in my backyard and stuff. So Bellator calls me and they're like, oh wow, we have an opening for our first fight back with no fans during COVID and it's our first card. And in my mind, I'm like, I have to do it. Like everyone's at home. All they could do is like watch TV. I'm like, this is my one opportunity, even though I don't feel ready. Now, the issue is that the, the girl that they put me with, we were supposed to fight before, but I had gotten injured. So every day during COVID, she was tagging me on Twitter, like harassing me, like shit talking me, like just putting my name down every single day. So every single day I was running and I'll look at a new tweet of her like embarrassing me. So I had like this build up animosity. So I was scared for that fight because the girl was big and stuff. She had like your body type. 
she was short like you she had your body type and she was way more experienced than me but i just decided to do it i was like i've been fighting my whole life like i have nothing to lose i need to make money during covid so i just did it but i think what made that fight a staple was that she was talking so bad about me doing TikToks and me dancing and stuff that me being like petty, I just wanted to make an extra statement. So I just I thought, I'm gonna knock her out, I'm gonna do a TikTok on her face. That was my goal, <laughs> to do a TikTok on her face. So during the fight, I knocked her out with five seconds left of the second round. I remember she tried to like low kick me and she dropped that hand for one second. And the moment she dropped that, I just with all my power and my butt, I just, I just turned into it like it's not even a right punch like my my elbow was all the way up it was a crazy overhand but i just hit her with everything i had and i screamed and everything like that was my anger, anger. that came out in that moment and especially I had just broken up with a boyfriend so i was like more mad like I had all that <laughs> anger and then i initially thought TikTok, but i didn't have time for a phone and stuff so i just like did just it. did a dance i just did a dance just to bother her like just to piss her off I remember like looking back and she was like dead on the floor with blood everywhere. <laughs> and then after I was like, wait, Valerie, you're a martial artist. Like, although like there was bad blood. So then after I did my dance, I went and I shook her hand. But that for me was like a big moment that I felt like a lot of eyes were put on me, but not just as a fighter, but for my personality. And Absolutely. that kind of like took off my the other part of my career. That was not your MMA debut, right? No. No, no, of course. No, that was my third fight with Bellator. Before that, did you have? Before that, my first fight was opening a main card in the Mohegan Sun. Imagine, the first time I fought pro in my life without shin guards, they threw me into a main card because one of the fights fell off. And for some reason, Scott Coker and Bellator just believed I could do it. And I thought to myself, oh, and my manager didn't tell me that day. So I was like, okay, Valerie, like stars rise above the pressure just get thrown into it, you know? Like if one day you wanna be a big star, you have to be able to handle this pressure. Threw myself in there and I did a crazy first round knockout. My first knockout of my life was that. My second fight, they threw me into Madison Square Garden. And then that girl, I had an opponent change a week before and I wasn't proud of that fight, but I won fair unanimous. And then after that, I filmed a reality show for Exatlon and Telemundo for three months in Dominican Republic and I was isolated, no training, whatever, just on that show, which which really challenged me because I was super out of my comfort zone. Come back for COVID to start, for then in May to do that viral fight. That's insane. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to your fighting, but I want to talk about Exatlon. <laughs> I don't want to that. Because they were trying to convince me to do Exatlon too, and mm. then I spoke to Val, and I'm like, no, yeah, no, no. Like I feel like no amount of money could no. make that worth no. it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like Exalon, the problem with Exalon is that Mahidal was on it and then Romero. But they had different experiences because at the time the show was filmed in like a different part of, of Santo Domingo, which was right by the beach, right? What happened with my season, third season, is when they rented this huge golf campus and that's where they put all the sets and everything changed. It was like a prison. So it was a completely different experience for me. And the thing is that it was like obstacle courses, it was swimming, and I'm not a good swimmer. I didn't have my diet, my training, like I was completely out of my element and I gained hella weight on that show. 
but like did you see how the food was like whack it was disgusting because the problem is that the people that owned it was a june media which owned survivor like they're all like a turkish people like that's their their company so we would eat their food that's what they would give the athletes like telemundo had no say in that so i just i struggled like my anxiety like eating because they would like restrict our food and then they would give us food and then I would binge and I just wasn't used to that type of eating and then with lo nervio like my nerves and stuff and then it was so much pressure but then on that show I the reason I shined and I lasted so long is because I was always the underdog so I would lose like 60% times more than I would win but there were some times that it was for money that I would just do a final like basketball shoot and I don't know how but that thing would go in and my whole team would get like $10,000. So I would always win when we had to win like the money times and like the eliminations. <laughs> you just always seem to like rise up to the to the occasion. Yeah, but that that show like really like it just put like a lot of toll on me and I got like I, I remember one time I put my foot in the shoe when I woke up in the morning in La Cabana because we had lost that week so we live in the cabin put my foot in the shoe and a huge tarantula just came oh, out like that, but, but people think it's a joke but we live like that for real on TV and it gets to a point you just you're immune to it like literally you'll be sleeping and a bat would come in and would fly everywhere and you know and then there's cameras everywhere 24 no 7. there's a winner and a loser house yeah like if you're winning you're in the it's, in the, it it's nice? like a mansion but it's still shitty like no warm water but it's like a mansion you know and the other one is like a shack it's a cabana so it's literally four walls of wood with 10 beds in there and like a disgusting bathroom and the way you wash your hair is with a, a bucket and oh and there's no like brushes and stuff we had to earn that throughout the show and there was one time that i just cried to producers because i was like listen i have curly hair okay i have like nappy curly hair i need conditioner like <laughs> like they would just give shampoo like body wash shampoo i'm like please like i need conditioner at least for my curls something i can look like that on Dude. tv all the time oh my god crazy then I infections would... everywhere it was insane stuff yeah yeah like probably three ten in ones no, those fucking no. seven in one time i would just i would just find forks i would find forks and then I would just Poor brush my hair. Stop. But the thing that that show taught me before anything was how to steal. You become really good at stealing. <laughs> you learn to steal because, like, let's say you go to the clinic because your leg hurts or something, like a shitty clinic because there was a, a doctor that everybody would make excuses to get away so not have to participate in the games. And there you steal things. You steal coffee. Oh, because coffee was prohibited. Like, oh God, everything dude. was prohibited. So behind their back, you would be, like, making coffee and, like, chugging it or, like, putting it in our thermo. I'm, like, getting flashbacks. You Because we had one thermo the whole show. And that thermo is that silver one that you see with the star. Yeah. And you would just fill crazy shit up in there. Oh, my God. Insane. And then, okay, and then they come, <laughs> you, you have to be there for, for sure, minimum a month right no no it's until you lose stuffy stuffy no because the thing is that there were people that were there one week because the first week of filming we were there a week before but the first week of filming if that sunday our team lost we won that week so we stayed another week but if the blue team loses the race on sunday their lowest scores go to elimination and then somebody gets eliminated that's how it works oh. so my team kept me because we kept winning and winning and then the days that we would lose, it was like a male elimination, you know, or a female elimination. And then I, I stayed until three months. 
<laughs> Bro, no. Fuck that. Yeah. That's insane. I couldn't even choose when I wanted to go home. There were so many times I'm like, damn, I just, I want to lose so I could go home. You what know? happens if you purposefully lose? No. It, it doesn't work like that. But you, can you? Yeah. I mean, you can, the elimination, but still, like, if your team wins that big race on Sunday, you're staying. If your team loses, then you could go to elimination. And my elimination was insane because it was out of seven. And the first three, I won clean, fair, and square. And something happened after the third one, and I think it was my destiny. The fourth one I went, and it was a gymnastics course. And mind you, I was against this girl who was a gymnast for Costa Rica. And I just fell. I kept falling. I kept falling. And then something happened. I think my mind was just ready to go home and and start my my fighting life again because I suffered it a lot because I truly missed it. Of course. Mm-hmm. Bet. So let's go back to your fighting. Yeah. So you, when did you, you, did you come from a family of fighters? Yes. Well, it's kind of. So my dad has always been like a military guy, right? And then he went into martial arts and he became obsessed with Taekwondo. My dad was, my dad still to this day is obsessed and it's the only thing he knows. And he still um, practices? He still has a little school in Miami that we're telling him to close, but he did downsize during COVID because, yeah, my dad's in his 60s, you know? He can't be teaching like that anymore. And then um, he met my mom at a club in Miami or something. And um, my mom just, when they started dating, my mom started running his Taekwondo school. And that was like our income in our family. And then ended up she ended up getting her belts. And then when she was doing her black belt test, she didn't know then, but she was pregnant with me. Whoa. So, like, that's why I always say, like, my mom was literally pregnant with me doing her black belt test. My dad was, like, crazy stuff. And then those, and then we were, I was born. My dad wanted boys. My mom wanted girls. And then we just and matched. we had all the, girls. We had, he had three girls. And we all came out fighters. So you started Taekwondo when you were, like, in your, I say three because I say three because I, I like I, I was on the map, but realistically, I've been in that. The first time I walked on four feet was on a taekwondo map. Wow. Mm-hmm. So how was like your your athletic journey up up until now? Like walk mm-hmm. me through. So um, I always was like the underdog. You know, I wasn't athletically the best. I was. I didn't look like a fighter. Um, I was always very thick on bottom heavy. I was always kind of gordita, like I was a little like heavy and chubby. And then I and then I remember that when I turned like 10 years old, I started seeing like, damn, I have abs. But then I started thinking I've been kicking like every day a hundred times on each leg since I was like three years old. So then I was like, damn, I'm I'm starting to get like a, a fighter body. And nothing, you know. I didn't win a lot, if I could be honest. Like in Taekwondo, I people say I was good because I would I was just strong, but I wasn't like a good Taekwondo fighter. So I always felt like a loser. I always felt like a loser. And I always felt like my dad was kind of making me more than what I was, than the proof. Like every time I would go to competitions, like I would win. Like there's some tournaments I could like say, like one time I won the German Open silver medal. And that for me is the biggest accomplishment because I remember I won four fights in a row to get to that gold medal fight. That was like the, one of the best fights. I also won a US Open. And um, I don't know, but I, other than that, I would always lose. I never made it to the Olympics. I would always lose. What, what inside of your head would make you want to keep going despite the fact that you were always kind of facing adversity? I just like, from when I was little, 
I, I, okay, since I was little, I've always loved being an entertainer. Like, so like fighting was part of my life, but also I was intensely into dancing. Like since I, my, cause my mom wanted us to be feminine. You know, she didn't want us to just be tomboys because that's all my dad was obsessed with. She wanted to give us a chance and be well-rounded. So I was an intense ballerina. And I always remember, remember, I could feel the music, like I could be graceful. And I could, if when I was on stage, like in my dance competitions, I always felt like I could feel a crowd. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily I was the best dancer, but had the best facials and I was passionately into it. And then I went into drama because my uh, middle school, they had a drama program and they would always put me in the middle and actually um, graduating from middle school, I got the best dancer award. So it's kind of weird. I got the best dancer award. And then I just always looked at myself and I said, there's a feeling like a feeling that's like pulling me and I don't understand it, but it's something that I know that I have a big purpose and I can't explain it, but I still feel like I feel it sitting here. I just, I feel like there's something pulling me that no matter anything that's happened in my life, there's always a goal and nobody's understood it. Like my family doesn't understand it. Like my friends at that time didn't understand it. I just, I wasn't interested in what other people were doing. I was always like, how am I gonna get to where I know that I'm destined to be? And that's like, that's still the way I think. I totally understand what you mean. I I feel very similar about kind of my life purpose as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do you feel like um, through your athletic career, deep inside, you knew it was kind of like a stepping stone for something else that yeah. you were going to do? Yeah. You, it wasn't necessarily. Has your goal ever been to be like the best athlete in the world or anything like that? No, no. It's, it's, it's so weird to me, but um, the first decision I made in my life was when I stopped dancing. I said, okay, Valerie, you're going to stop dancing. And I don't know how I'm going to get there, but one day your treat to yourself is that you're going to win Dancing with the Stars. That was the first like, uh, like decision I made in my mind. And then the next one was, okay, maybe the Olympics is how I get like my name out there. So I was striving every day to like make it to the Olympics. And then I realized I wasn't talented enough to make it to Olympics. And then I had problems at home, like with my mom's health and stuff. And that kind of went to shit. And then I was still in high school, like striving. And then I was also, I started the broadcast journalism program in my school because I felt like that that taught me how to speak. I always I was always doing things with a plan. And then um, I, I remember MMA starting to get popular and Ronda Rousey. And I was always like, that's disgusting. Because right. I just... I thought it was like so manly and I thought it was so violent and just thought it was brutal. Thought it was brutal. And honestly, I was making those assumptions without like really watching it. And um, then I, oh, because I always said like, I've never done the grounds. Like I can't do that. I can't like do jujitsu. I've, I've never wrestled. I've always just been a striker. I can't be good in that. I remember a coach of mine one time, like making a joke, I'm gonna train you MMA. I'm like, no, that's for boys, whatever. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then one day, of course, I saw Rhonda and I saw them like, I saw Rhonda and another girl uh, being recognized for being pretty and a fighter. And I looked at myself and I said, you've dedicated your whole life to martial arts. If they could do it, why can't you? And I said, this is getting a lot of fame. Like this is getting a lot of eyes and the sport's growing way too fast. I saw a lot of celebrities involved and stuff. I said, Valerie, like this is going to, 
this is going to be the way that your name comes out. And I just then passionately threw myself into MMA. And that's all I could eat, sleep, dream, think, everything I did. I got out of college. I turned all my classes online and I was training there for like eight hours, just trying to learn, teach me everything, teach me jiu-jitsu, teach me choke. One time I, I, I got to jiu-jitsu, I was like, I've never been put to sleep before. And the coach was like, what you're not even supposed to do is he goes, put your left arm up. And he put his arm around me and he goes, now count to 10. And I thought this was a 10, nine, and, and when I woke up, <coughs> I remember waking up and I was so confused. And then all of a sudden I thought I was in a fight and I just got up like trying to like throw. And then that's when they realized this girl, like she's a fighter, you know? And, and I always stuck with that. Wow, like you felt like you had it in you. Yeah, I still do. I still oh, like, of course. I still believe in myself and that sport. There's just something about me as a fighter and I don't know if it's my heart. I don't know if it's that I, I won't give up. I don't know if it's like, I just, there's something that's telling me that I know what I'm doing. Although people don't think I know what I'm doing, I, I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that when I started listening to what other people say, because there's a point where that passion like starts like wearing you out, you know, which is when I was younger and I didn't even know how to balance it yet. Then you start listening to other people, you start going the easier way route, and maybe they're right, but I know what's right for myself. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what like messed me up a little bit last year. Mm -hmm. No, you were always kind of like chipping away at your goals, just mm -hmm. even like with the broadcasting, like if mm -hmm. you knew that you wanted to get your name out there and be a big entertainer and a personality, yeah. you were still kind of acquiring skills that would better prepare you for the future. Yeah. You know, that's that's a lot of maybe I'll be a sports commentator, you know? You that's know, that's how exactly. I was thinking. I was exactly. thinking I need to talk, I need to know how to read from a prompter mm -hmm. and I need to know how to write a script. I need to know how to put a story together. I'm good mm -hmm. at production. Like I could mm -hmm. edit. I learned Final Cut. I started editing my little videos. And then that all fed into like my Instagram now, how I grew it so quickly in the matter of two, three years. Mm -hmm. Take me back to the moment, because you mentioned that it got to a point where you realized you didn't have the talent to go to the Olympics. Yeah, that was, okay, so that is my dad. How do you know, how do you know when, when to n stop pursuing something? Like being a realist versus mm -hmm. being a pessimist. Okay, so I'm a very realistic person. And it's like, you know, my family has a problem with me with that because I'm very realistic, like straight to the point, you know, like, if you have to be honest with yourself, you can't have fantasy goals, but if you have like the talents to make it, like do it. But if you know, like, so my dad was always like, not a liar, but he was a liar. <laughs> my dad's a liar. Like if I, wouldn't, if I wouldn't win a competition, let's say I went to a competition, good example. And there were four girls in the bracket. And I lost, so I got the second bronze. He would say, Valerie got bronze at the Costa Rica Open. And that always broke my heart because I was like, I didn't, like, I didn't win. You know, I always felt very fake. I always felt like my dad was painting a picture of me that I wasn't. But at the same time, that, that, that added such a drive to, like, become legit, if that makes sense. Yeah. I wanted to prove that. I wasn't a lie, that I was actually good. So I kept chasing the Olympics. And then I went to a world championship in Korea. I, I fought in a world championship in Korea through another country at that time because my dad's philosophy was that I couldn't make it to the United States. So I got a citizenship through another country. And people don't really know that, but 
I fought for Paraguay for a while. And I wasn't like happy doing that. But I anything for your dreams, right? And I would go to country to country just trying to get like points to go to Olympics. I went Trinidad and Tobago. Like I fought all over the world. And then I fought at the World Championship. My first fight I lost to a Canadian girl who was six feet tall, like super long legs. And Taekwondo's like electronic system now. It's not like old school. I'm an old school fighter. Taekwondo's like electronic chest protector and then electronic sensors on your feet and electronic on your head. So every time like that sensor connects with that sensor, a point goes up. Wow. So okay. I was such at a disadvantage because you have to be realistic. I'm short. I don't have long legs and I'm thick. Like I couldn't make like the 115 pounds. And even then those girls were huge. And by the time my leg would come up, hers was already hitting my sensor and I would lose. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to explain that to my dad, but I just kept like pushing and just trying. And then we flew all the way to the world championship in Mexico. I mean, to the Olympic qualifier in Mexico. <laughs> and then actually I didn't have my, my citizenship all the way there and they didn't let me compete. What's up everyone. It's your favorite podcast producer, Nick Tricana here to give you a word from our incredible sponsor over at Element. Because we love y'all so much over here at Hybrid Unlimited, we're going to hook you up with a free sample pack of Element just for you. Each sample pack includes eight grab-and-go packets in a variety of different flavors. All you have to do is go to drinkelement.com hybrid. That's drinklmnt.com hybrid. Uh -huh. Wow, because before, so old school Taekwondo, did it used to be just hitting? And, it and, used to be legit. And like the damage would count. Right, like yeah. if you hit somebody hard yeah. and they drop, like that counts. Yeah, if but you knock someone out in Taekwondo now, you're disqualified. No. Yeah, it's so, like I love Taekwondo and it's my base, but the, the new style Olympic Taekwondo is a joke. It sounds like, uh, it's, it, it's like, a joke. It's, like it's grima, but kicking. Yeah. It's right? fencing. Yeah. It's fencing, like it's fencing yeah, with yeah. your legs. Yeah, fencing with your legs. And it's like... Like, I'm not putting down Taekwondo, but it's like, that's not real fighting. And yeah. I was always a real fighter, like, to knock her out. Yeah. To break her rib. Yeah. I remember the, like, in that fight against the Canadian girl that I lost to the World Championship. I lost that fight, but the one thing I did do was break her rib <laughs> with a kick. Fuck that bitch. And I was, and I was satisfied <laughs> with that, you know? And I felt like my dad was living his passion through me. Mm-hmm. And you can't like see a dream for a kid. They have to want it for themselves. And I did want it, but I also knew it wasn't realistic. Mm -hmm. So I hated the lie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he—it wasn't necessarily. I don't think I would consider that lying, but he was just, I guess, proud of your efforts. Yeah. Proud of you. Yeah, Borisito. Yeah. He was—he's so proud of me. He's so proud of me because. He yeah, but my dad and I had a big downfall too. Like, the moment I wasn't training at his gym. And I decided to go into MMA, and I wasn't under his taekwondo school. They they didn't support me. <laughs> no one gave me money to aspire my dream. I had a boyfriend at the time, and that's how I made it out. And then I kept telling him, like, come watch me. I'm good at it. I'm good on the ground. I didn't know anything on the ground, but I could defend things. I had a natural sense of escape. I've had a natural sense of survival skill. Mm -hmm. 
you, you seem like you have an, like a natural fighter in you that mindset of like I wanted to hit her I wanted to break her ribs yeah. I wanted to knock her out yeah imagine my dad my dad wasn't a normal father like embedded in my mind was knock her out knock her out knock her out since I'm three years old no que parte de brazo like since I was <laughs> three so years sick. old it's such a psychotic mentality but that's that's who I am <laughs> yeah that's so sick like you yeah. definitely have the dog in the fight that's something that that I wonder if I can still train myself to have. Of course you can. Because if you get in that ring, like, and you overcome adversity, you have that in you. You know, like, not everyone has that. But sometimes I feel like I walk into the ring without having the intention of... Of... Hurting. Hurting. Yeah. Like, it's like I go into it thinking that it's a sport, which it is, but it's also a fight. Yeah. So it's like I feel like I need to figure out a way to go into it wanting to cause harm but it's anger you need to have an anger like in your punch like that the way you finish has to be an anger like <laughs> i love that. like it has to be emotional and people say don't be emotional don't be an emotional fighter don't show it on your face but there has to be a deep anger for like hurt and like to make them pay like they hit you like that has to make you angry <laughs> you know yeah it's you, you have to, do you feel like you trick yourself into into feeling that or do you think about moments in your life that that make you angry or what how do you do it i think it's just a built-up like anger i have from when i was little trying to prove people putting me down people saying like i'm not good enough that i'm fat that i'm too thick that you know i'm fake and my dad lying about my accomplishments like all of that like it's like in my throat every day and i've had to learn to like let it go But at the same time, when I'm in the cage and I'm fighting and there's someone else in front of me, that's personal because the moment a person takes a fight with you, that's personal because they think they could beat you. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I think that, oh, you think Ooh, you I could like get in there with me? I like that's that. personal to me. I don't care if she's nice, whatever. That's personal. And it's like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I don't know. That's a really good mindset to have. Yeah, that's personal stuffy. Yo, but it's okay. So mm-hmm. with that girl that there was a ton of beef that she kept tweeting, whatever. Yeah. You knock All her out. You knock her out. Uh, you do your dance, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, no, but this is still, you know, martial, martial arts. arts. Like, I'm, I'm still going to have, like, sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine, like, when I see people, like, shit-talking each other on the internet yeah. before fights, I don't understand how you go from that to fighting to <laughs> hugging. Yo, right? Like that makes I'm That's not, crazy, right? Yo, it, and I haven't had like beef with anybody, but in, in my three fights that I've had, at the end when they come give me a hug, I'm like, get the fuck away from me. Like I, we're <laughs> like I don't <laughs> want that whatsoever. That's like, I'll shake your hand, but why do we have to overly hug, hug yeah. and like ha no? Yeah. It's insane. Right? And I can imagine if I lose. If but, I lose, I'll definitely know. <laughs> but I feel like that is Like, there's specific fights <coughs> that there's just, like, a genuine, like, martial art, martial art, like, beauty. And it, when it's a war like that, there's just a compassion you feel yeah. for each other. But now if it's, like, some of the other girls that I fought, like, the last girl I gave her a hug, she was so nice. She was so nice. And generally, like, I could have done more in that fight, and I didn't because I didn't want to hurt her. Now, the girls that anger me, I want to break your face when yeah. they're when they're when they're so nice, nice it's hard for me when they're nice it's hard Yo, for me so for my my dubai fight this girl leading into the fight legit wanted to be best buddies with me 
and I'm like, no, no. like no, I, I, I never wanna, do that. I want to hate your face. Yeah. I don't. I want to despise you. I yeah. Don't, we, wow. Yeah. And that was hard. I don't like that. Yeah. As I always said growing up, is no one's your friend until after the fight. <laughs> You could never make friends until after the fight. It's almost better to like anger the other person and yeah, anger and yourself. hate them. Like yeah. hate them. That's yeah. why I like when people yeah. talk shit to me because it it gives me that fire. Like you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like you're doing the opposite of what you think that you're doing because I'm the type of person that works like that. Mm -hmm. Like you talk bad about me and like what I do and stuff. I'm gonna be like extra angry that I, I'm crazy. Like I'm not normal. I have a crazy anger that I've learned to control. But when I flip that, like I'm gonna hurt you. Are you scared of being um, kind of tagged as arrogant when you're like in this back and forth before a fight? Yeah. Do you think there's a line between like hmm. just banter towards one another like before a fight and then arrogance yeah so i never one thing i never do is underestimate anybody i don't care who it is i don't underestimate because in a fight anything could happen mm -hmm. that's number one and number two i never start anything first i'm always like the second one now when she starts i go because it gives me that feeling again of underdog that's mm -hmm. what I'm comfortable in. Mm -hmm. the, feel, the feeling of like, I'm expected to lose and that's how I rise, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't like like being like the favorite and stuff because realistically I'm not. I've been doing this way less than all these other girls, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. How long did you start doing MMA, you said? Uh, 2019. 2019, yeah, wow, super recent. Well, 2018 I started training a little because the boyfriend at the time, he started training, you know, whatever. 2019 is when like I really like did it. That's mm -hmm. crazy. Wow. I want to hit um, a point that you said about femininity and mm -hmm. MMA and how you thought that MMA was like more masculine and you yeah. didn't want to be like that. How do you feel now? Do you feel like you can have a balance between your kind of athletic, more masculine side and then your feminine mm -hmm. side? Yeah, I feel like when I got into MMA, I was very worried about what it was going to do to my body of like the way my face would change because of the scratches and stuff, like breaking the nose, the scars, etc. But I always felt like as a woman, you know, we have to take care of ourselves also. And, you know, men don't care, but I care about cauliflower ear. So what do I do? I wear my helmet, you know, like there's ways to prevent certain things. And there's also things that are like unpredictable, like my scar in my eye. It's very dangerous, but I think to be feminine in the sport like it has to be you mm -hmm. you can't like teach that you know and i think that i've shown and my goal is to show that you can be feminine but when you get in there you could transform into a monster mm -hmm. i mean i just feel like i just get possessed and i just change and i get out of there and the first thing i'm thinking about after the cage is where's my outfit where are my hoops <laughs> like it's cycle <coughs> Like my last fight, I was trembling and I'm at, I'm there and I'm like, I'm not doing the press conference until I change and I put on my heels. I made everyone wait. Like it's, it's a weird like a uh, way of thinking, but that's, I don't know. I feel like that's how I am. And I really haven't seen much other girls like that in the sport, but there are like, it's possible. Like I, I do it. It's not an act. It's, it's really like, I, I go dress pretty to the gym. I wear my lashes. I put on concealer and blush I fight I get out and then you know I'm, I'm a different person I'm a different person were you ever 
afraid of showing your more feminine side in a sport that's so male driven male dominated mm-hmm. did you feel like that was gonna kind of maybe make people put you down no well you're dancing <laughs> your hoops your lashes heels well i thought about okay this is a male dominated sport and what do i have i'm super feminine how do i use that to my advantage sex appeal you know and sex appeal that I'm not doing like for fun and sex appeal that I've been doing since Taekwondo. Like I've always been taking my photo shoots and taking my pictures. Like what I've been doing with social media, mixing fighting with sex is literally what I've been doing since I was like 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I used to go to a competition and then ask my sister before to be taking pictures of me at the pool. It's so weird and I have those pictures from back then, but I don't, I don't know. like. I, I just, I thought, how can I use this to my advantage? Mm-hmm. And one thing that I did do is just stay true to that mm-hmm. and not care what anyone said. If a coach didn't want to train me because I was pretty and they thought I was a pretty girl, I would fuck up his, his student. Like literally, like fuck him up, like hit him, like to kill him. And that's how I like, I proved myself. You don't want to train me? You don't want to give me time? Okay, I'll back it, boom, break his rib. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like I have to prove myself with actions and that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. No, I like what you said about using your femininity to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And I think like from a very young age, you realized that people find that interesting mm-hmm. because it is interesting because mm-hmm. we, as a society, we've been conditioned to believe that if you're feminine, mm-hmm. you can only behave in a certain way, right? Yeah. Like it's impossible to be both a savage inside of an octagon mm-hmm. and also an absolute diva 10 out of 10 you know makeup heels beautiful model like in in people's minds those two things cannot exist in the same person so when they see somebody do it it's like mesmerizing it's like fascinating but that's also why i have so many haters you know like because they don't but that's jealousy yeah it's and it's crazy to me because why are you hating on a girl that's just trying to make her dreams come true you know like what have i done wrong and also like you said that's authentically who you are yeah, yeah, it's I, literally I feel, who I am. I feel the same way. It's literally like who I am, and it's also egoistic because I'm like, like I think I'm like I I know my whole life I've worked to have my body and I've conditioned myself to be on a diet all the time and stuff. It's like I don't post like just for people to look at my body. I post because I'm proud of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of what I look like, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm grateful for what I look like. Absolutely. What other ways have you used your your femininity? To your advantage um you did you said you did fan time for a while yeah i did fan time for like a little bit but it wasn't in me i couldn't do it because what about it what about it make made you feel uncomfortable i've just i've never believed in selling my body i've always posted and people are like oh you should be making money from that no i don't want to make money from that i post because this is who i am like I don't want people to pay me for my pictures. No, I post because I'm Valerie Loretta, you know, and I post how I want to post. And I don't care like about, I don't care, I'm not money driven. I'm legacy driven, you know? And I knew this before I did that. And I tried it and then again, I assured my gut, like I knew that wasn't right for me. So I got out of that and the moment I got out of it, I felt like a relief. I felt like, okay, now you're back to yourself. That was taking a lot of like toll on me, like mentally and physically, like that's not who I am. Interesting. 
It's not who I am. You did it for, for how long? Like two months. Two months and then you were out. Mm-hmm. And no amount of money could make you want to do it again. A million dollars a month. No. I, no. Would, I, would be, I would have millions right now. <laughs> I don't care. I'd rather live broke but see a big picture. And I don't need a lot, but I just know that doing the right things in my life is going to get me to that. Were you worried about the the image that being that having a fan time site could or how that would negatively affect your athletic career would you worried about that or your professional career or it was just more like just personal just you didn't want to sell your sell pictures for money um like i like i have nothing against girls that do it but i believe my image is different And I have a very elegant, like, pretty image that my mom, like, worked her whole life to make me into that woman. And I have a little sister and stuff. And I just think, like, what's the example I want to sell? I, I want to set, you know? And selling my body isn't one of them. And um, although I'm not doing anything wrong, it was just, like, lingerie pictures and stuff. I just, it felt dirty to me. And I'm not dirty. I'm, I'm clean. I'm, I'm clean with everything I do. And I don't know. I just... I didn't like the connotation of it because mm -hmm. I felt like it didn't represent me. Mm -hmm. And just like my intuition was just telling me like, Valerie, that's not you. Like you're meant to be like, like the most successful like Latina out of Miami. You mm -hmm. know, that's, that's not your route, Val. Mm -hmm. No matter like how much money, that's not, that's not your, your route to success. Mm -hmm. I get that. When you post, what makes you feel more empowered? Posting a picture, winning a fight, like ah, like mm -hmm. one of those, or a super dope like bikini picture where you look incredible. What makes you feel more empowered and confident? Okay, I really feel more empowered when I win a fight and I put the picture like bloody, like whatever, but then the swipe is like of me on a in a bikini in my pool. Cause I feel like it's both and I'm showing both. And you can do both. So that's really like, after my fights, I always do that. I always post a video of the fight and then the swipe is like my badass outfit where like I look pretty, you know? Because mm -hmm. I just feel like it's showing girls that you could do both, mm -hmm. you know? I love that. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> what's next athletically for you? So right now I'm in the point in my life where I've been fighting my whole life and everybody knows this and you know my body is hurting too because even though I'm 23 years old it's a lot of years of damage like I didn't start this at 21 I started intensely when I was three and I'm turning 24 in July and I felt like I've proved myself as a fighter and I did things in Bellator no one's ever done before and The way I grew my platform with Bellator um, is something that they didn't even think was possible. And I had told them when they gave me the opportunity to sign with them that I was going to make sure that Bellator was well known. You know, and I did that. People in Miami started recognizing Bellator, Bellator, you know, Cubans, Latins, whatever. And I think that in this time of my life, I was presented with an opportunity to go into a different industry that I didn't 
really like know of at first and it's just it's fighting entertainment glamour dancing acting characters and when you put that onto perspective that's really who i am and it comes to a point where i have to put my ego aside and i know i'm an amazing fighter no matter what anybody says i know what i'm an amazing fighter and i'm not done with fighting yet but now is the time in my life where i'm single i have no kids single and ready to mingle single, go slide mean? into the dms sorry go ahead. <laughs> no kids and it's now or never to take this opportunity and not only do i have the opportunity to do something huge but i have the opportunity to be the first in history to represent my culture and i just feel like i owe it to my grandparents that came from cuba on a boat with my mom to do this and i think this is my destiny i think i was born to be the next big face cuban american coming out of miami florida female and um this is going to be uh my step in the door to my dreams in hollywood and what a Miami girl really is and I was born and raised here I went to all girl catholic school here lords um if there's anyone more Miami than me with the real background I don't think there's anybody more Miami <laughs> than you it's me I'm crazy <laughs> right I love it so I just I think like it took me a while and then I sat with my family I said do I do this do I do this then I saw 85,000 fans and when I went to their show I just I put like my song like sweet dreams are made. I always I always love that song. And I just put it in the bathroom and I just imagined myself walking out and like performing as a fighter which I am, you know? Mm-hmm. And an actress which I am and an entertainer. So I think right now in my life my goal is to become the best female entertainer that like the world has ever seen. And then I'm not done with fighting. I'm gonna I know myself and I have an itch and I'm going to return to fighting. I'm not going to stop fighting. I'm going to do a big comeback fight. But I just something's telling me go 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 just do it and although it's going to be stuffy like starting MMA from scratch, felt like my whole life has been like that platform to platform mm-hmm. to platform and now this is really the one that's going to explode mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. and I'm going to build a, a whole other fan base and I'm also going to be able to change a lot of girls' lives because you know there's not Latinas represented mm-hmm. really. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely going to crush that. There's no Latinas represented and you know we deserve that. Absolutely. We deserve to see different bodies, you know, fluctuating in weight a lot like it's our culture, that's our blood. Mm-hmm. We're not skinny girls, you know? Mhm. So I just feel like if I could get other girls to see me on TV every week and be like she looks like me like mm-hmm. she speaks Spanish, you know. She doesn't look like a like super thin all mm-hmm. the time. I just I feel like that's my like this my passion. Mm-hmm. Dude, and you're so young still like there's you probably can have you you have time to do two three more career changes if you want it. You know? I know, like this is just one more that'll for sure take you closer to mm-hmm. to your that ultimate. And let goal. me tell you, this one's tough because it's a whole other challenge in a different way. I can't just, I can't just um, 
use aggression through this. This mm -hmm. is actually completely opposite. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's fake aggression. Mm -hmm. So, but I could do it. I mean, it, my dad was a, a stuntman actor in fight scenes and movies. And um, my mom was a cheerleader and stuff. And Are they coaching you a bit now? Yeah, my, my dad was always like, Valerie, you're gonna do MMA and then you're gonna go into this, you know? And my mom was just like, Valerie, And I've never seen her get excited like that. And not just because I'm not going to be getting injured as much anymore, but more of just, Val, this is you. <laughs> this is yeah, you. Yeah, it does fit you so well. And anyone that knows you knows this is you. I just have to see it for myself, mm -hmm. which I'm starting to. Mm -hmm. I'm stoked. Well, thank you so much for taking your time sitting down thank talking you, with me. We wish you the best of luck in whatever's next, mm -hmm. and we'll support you all along the way. And I'm excited to see you return to the cage Thank as well. Thank you. And Steffi's training me now. Hey. So when you see my body, it's because <laughs> of Steffi Cohen. I'm super excited. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Mwah.